Hey everyone, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com. You're listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. And it has been a few weeks since I've been here talking to you. And the reason is, is uh, life and situations uh, started crowding out my time. And I found myself in a place where I really didn't have the uh, peace of mind and heart to sit down and and put a um, podcast together. Sure, you can sit down and talk um, into a microphone about a topic, but uh, in, in my own, uh, the foundation that this podcast is, is built around is me being able to give you something of value, something that comes from the heart, something that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And when I was in the midst of putting energy out in so many different areas over the last few weeks, I wasn't able to do that. And I guess if I was a pastor of a church, we would have had guest speakers for the last few weeks. I would have been on vacation, but uh, I am back, and uh, it's good to be here. So about seven years ago, um, my girlfriend entered into a battle, a legal battle, and uh, I met her right afterwards, actually, and... um, during that time, I learned all about the particular circumstance and situation and all of the players surrounding it, and I became part of that test and trial. So her test and trial became my test and trial. Um, I don't want to say that it affected me on every level that it's affected her because she went through this whole process right from the very beginning, and I came in after um the test had already started. So the thing is, is we had the opportunity to put a lot of principles, things that I talk about in this podcast into effect, principles of prayer, of faith and believing and trusting God. And a lot of questions come up along the way. And one of the, one of the scriptures that I, I refer to a lot is the one where uh, the man brought his epileptic son to Jesus' disciples to cast the spirit out of him. And at this particular point, he wasn't present. He and James and John and Peter were up on the uh, mountain where Jesus was transfigured and Moses and Elijah appeared. But meanwhile, down below, um, in, in the gritty circumstances of life, the disciples were trying to cast a spirit out of of this boy, and they were not effective. Now, up until this point, it appears that they had nothing but success, because in previous chapters, the Bible says that they came back and reported that the, uh, you know, the lame were healed, blind eyes were opened, deaf ears were opened, demons were cast out of people, and even the dead were raised. But suddenly, here was a new situation, and they didn't get the victory. So let me pull this scripture up quickly. Okay, right now I'm reading from the New King James Version in Mark chapter 9. Um, Verse 17, this is when the father uh, spoke. Um, He says, One in the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who, uh, who has a mute spirit. So he can't speak. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. 
So I guess we would interpret that today if we saw it happening as a seizure. I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, now this is the first thing he said. Now I imagine the first thing that I would say, not having read this before, right? Not having planned it, just experience. First thing I would probably do is sue the, the, the person and let them know that, um, you know, God wasn't doing this to their son and that um, God would make their son well. When you say something like that, um, you put yourself out there because you're creating an expectation. And you know that if you don't meet that expectation, that the person will turn on you, potentially, and blame you, ridicule God. Um, but the number one thing is our own reputation that, that affects us. That's where the fear comes in, because imagine a crowd of people. You're not just talking about one person. We're talking about a, a crowd of people. He answered him and he said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So that was the answer. He called the man faithless. He called all of them faithless, actually. And the word translated there is unbelieving in my margin. And when it says, how long shall I bear with you? The translation in the middle says, put up with. How long shall I put up with you? So if somebody did that today, we would say, well, that's just a gruff, uncaring person to say something like that. Now, we look at it in hindsight. We, we see the whole story. We already know what's going to happen. So our judgment is not based upon real-time events. It's based on reading something that happened in the past. But if you were there at the time, you might have thought, well, you know, that's not very loving for somebody to respond like that. <clears throat> Verse number 20, it says, And when they brought him to him, meaning brought the boy to Jesus, and when he saw him, Immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground, foaming at the mouth. So he, Jesus, asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said from childhood. There's something about problems that have been around a long time. The longer the problem has been around, the more opportunity unbelief has to to plant deep roots, grow and develop deep roots. And I know at certain times in my life, there were situations that went on for quite some time. There are situations that I'm in now that seem like they've been around for some time. And it's easy to create a teaching or a belief system to explain why that is. A simple one is just, this is the way God wants it to be. But what if that's not true? What if that's just something you made up so that you can emotionally deal with the stresses that you find yourself in? So, as my uh, girlfriend and I, as I was saying about the situation, uh, developed into a, a court battle, which went on for going on seven and a half years now. Seven and a half years is a long time. And even though I can't go into the details, it's, it's uh, in the earthly world, it's not settled yet. I can say that 
the feeling is that the hammer can come down at you at any time because you don't have control over the situation. I know sometimes the control that we feel that we have is just something that we create in our own mind. We're really not in control, but we like to at least feel like we're in control because the opposite of that is feeling out of control. And when you feel out of control or that you have no control over the situation that's happening to you, then you have to continuously look at God because whatever you look at, that's what your heart becomes filled with. If you look at the situation, your heart becomes filled with that situation and all the little intricacies that go with it. And the, the greater you look at the details of the problem, the deeper the roots of fear seem to go in your heart. So then when you, when you look at the Lord, when you look back at God, when you look at the, the Bible, so the, the Bible centers you again. The, the scripture verses get you to focus on something different. But if you focus 30 seconds on a scripture verse while you've been f focusing on and off the last several hours on the problem, then that little the verse of scripture is like a drop of clean water in a dirty bucket of water. It doesn't seem really to have a, an effect. Now, I don't want to say it like that. I, the, the clean, dirty analogy maybe isn't, isn't so good here, but let's look at it this way. Um, if you have, uh, let's take something like sunburn. If you, here in Florida, it's really hot. Sometimes you can be driving and your arm, the sun is hitting your arm. If your arm is on the car door, or the sun is at a certain angle where it's coming down and the rays are hitting your arm, you can actually get sunburn on, on your arm during a longer drive. So if you know what's sunburn, I guess everybody's been sunburned at one time or another. It doesn't really feel too well. But <clears throat> applying some kind of ointment to it is different if you're applying it to a small area than it is, let's say, your entire back. So the more sunburn you have on, on you, the deeper it affects you, the more it interrupts you. And fears like that sometimes, because sometimes we have little fears, but they don't overwhelm us. But when that fear grows, it begins to dominate our thinking, and we think about it all day long, or attempted to. So maybe you're praying about something because you don't want something bad to happen. But in the back of your mind, that bad thing keeps presenting itself, kind of like Goliath, <laughs> you know? Goliath came and shouted to the Israelite armies for them to bring forward a, a warrior to settle it. <clears throat> and you can go through the Bible and see that when God's enemies appear, they're, they're, they're very loud. They're very imposing. You know, when the Israelites escaped from Egypt, they came into the promised land and, and there were giants there. there. There were evil hybrid Nephilim, the prodigy of the angels that had fallen. You know, the Bible talks about the angels being reserved in chains under darkness until the day of judgment, the angels that fell, but that's not all of them. Not all of them are chained there. Because the Bible talks about the principalities, the powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this age. We see them at work in the book of Daniel long after the flood. And they are at work in, in the earth. And by all accounts, they're scary, <laughs> right? They're more powerful than human beings are. Physical strength. Uh, they seem to be smarter than we are. And, uh, but our advantage is 
that we're under the power of God. We're in the family of God. We have the name of Jesus. But let me not get too far off. I'm just putting life into context because we see sometimes the Bible is in its own context. It's a book about things that happen, and we don't realize that the Spirit, the same Spirit that breathed those words, is in you now. The same God that parted the Red Sea calls you his son or his daughter if you're a believer. Uh, the same Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. The same Jesus that walked um, the streets of Jerusalem, that performed incredible miracles, that same Jesus is connected to you through the Holy Spirit. You don't have to even be in his physical presence anymore to receive the things that he has for you. Every believer. But what does the Bible say? If we have not the Spirit, we are none of his. But again, going back to this question, how long has this been happening to him? The Father said, from childhood. So maybe the disciples knew that too. We don't know what conversation went on, but Obviously, when the father brought the boy to the disciples, he told them what was wrong and maybe went into great detail about it. We don't know. But we do know that Jesus' response was unbelief. And so, again, getting back on that side path, <clears throat> seven years and multiple court appearances. And I remember praying. we prayed in agreement, Matthew 18, 19. Now, we don't know exactly how the will of God fits into this situation. We have an idea how, and we know that something good should happen to those who are walking, purposing to, to follow God's plan for their lives. Something good will happen to you. Even if bad things happen, something good will happen. Let me give you an example. How many times did the Israelites go into captivity because of things they did? How many times were they brought out of captivity and restored because of the promises that God made? See, bad things happen, but something good happened out of it. They got free. And, and you can see that when the enemy attacks. And, and here's the thing that's easy to forget, even when you know it. The Bible says that every good and every perfect gift comes down from the above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variance, neither shadow of turning. So if he helps you as a believer, and doesn't help me, well, there is some variance there. Maybe the variance is based on I'm doing something that you're not. You see, and, and you can get so tangled up in this, in this thinking because there's two what appear to be diametrically opposed truths at work. One truth says where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. Another scripture says that whatever man sows, he reaps. Well, we know that um, if it's not a faith, it's sin, the Bible says. so. And Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So there is a place where we can't do it. We can't put it together. The Bible says, don't lean on to our understanding. But on the other side, we're not just supposed to just go with the flow. We're supposed to fight. We're supposed to stand. We're supposed to believe. We're supposed to move forward in the name of Jesus. So I think that's the reason why Paul came to this final conclusion. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Every good thing that happened, he gave credit to the Lord for, to the Holy Spirit. And that was his approach to life. 
a lot of bad things happened because there were demons, there were fallen angels who followed Paul and these disciples around everywhere, causing riots, um, imprisoning them. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, in Jesus talking to one of the churches, that Satan will throw some of you into prison. And so the one consistent thing that we see is that you have to keep on praying. And what I mean by praying is not asking the same thing over and over again, not being not the mechanical type of prayer, but the communication between yourself and God has to be open day after day from one step to the next, a continual communication link. You don't want it to be broken because God will give you what you need even if you don't know how to get it. God will meet you where you're at. You don't have to come up to some super spiritual place in order to get help. Because if you could do that, then it's by your works. You can glory. But the Bible says no man will be able to glory. Because it's not by power or by might, but by God's Spirit. So we don't understand how all these pieces exactly fit together. And the beauty of it is, is we're not expected to and we don't have to. That's why the Bible says, unless you become his children, you cannot enter into the kingdom. And I, I don't believe that's talking about um, what some people think it might be referring to. In other words, here's another thing you got to do. You got to pretend like you're a kid again. No, it's simply talking about how a child looks to a parent as the source for all the things they have need of. And so... As we went through this process, um, I remember once we went into court and we had an attorney and, it's, and it appeared that the attorney just fell apart when the judge started speaking to her. And this was a last minute thing we had to do. And um, at, at first she tried, um, my girlfriend tried to represent herself pro se. She did all of the research and everything, but one of the things, unfortunately, is that the judges don't seem to respect people that represent themselves in our current legal system. That's why on, on a street level, attorneys are referred to as mouthpieces. You, know, you have an attorney for a reason. Thank God that when the great day of judgment comes, Jesus is our attorney. He's our advocate. He's by our side. So anyway, this attorney fell apart, and everything that we thought wouldn't happen, happened. And we had peace going into it. We prayed. We had peace. And when the situation broke down right before our eyes, it made us question things. We didn't want to question them, but you can't help but question them sometimes because you're a human being. And you're wondering, where, where was God in this? So now, looking back, Hindsight being what it is, was that there were other things that needed to come into place that hadn't come into place yet. And so we put more value on that situation at the time than was really warranted. In other words, we overvalued that particular outcome. It would kind of be like a battle, losing a battle but winning the war. And we thought, well, you know, if the Lord was in this, we wouldn't have lost the battle. But that's not true. You might say that with, with Peter when Peter was arrested. 
you can you might be able to say that well if the lord was in what peter was doing he wouldn't have went to jail god would have saved him but no god got him out of the jail or shadrach meshach and abednego being thrown into the fiery furnace oh if god was with them they never would have got it would have, the problem wouldn't have gotten that far but no god rescued them had them actually go into the furnace which i'm sure they weren't looking forward to but they didn't get burned when they were in there. And was the outcome worth the investment? Absolutely. So you can imagine what their faith would have been like for the rest of their lives, having gone through that. And so a lot of times, I, you know, I don't look at it like God creates these problems so we can become more spiritual. It is what it is. We have free will. We can make certain decisions. Some of those decisions are terrible, and they lead to problems. But God already knows the decisions we're going to make, and so he provides answers in the path before we even get to that point. They're already there. Can I explain every little detail of it? No, nobody can, but we don't have to. And that's the thing. God never changes. If you, if you grasp that and if you grasp the fact that Jesus and God are exactly the same in personality, if you look at the Gospels, and you see something that Jesus never did, and then you think, well, why did God do that in the Old Testament, but Jesus didn't do that in the New? Is because things aren't always as they appear. And so the hardest foundation to come down to is that you have to get rid of that why did God allow this to happen mindset. It will crush you. It will turn up at, those, at the most inopportune times and it will weigh your faith down to the point where you don't know if God is, is going to help or not. And then once you're in that situation, the only thing you have to judge by is by what you see and what you hear and what you feel. And then you're walking by sight again. And so you have to determine way before the problem ever comes, I'm not going to blame God for anything that happens in my life. I'm not going to blame God for anything that happens to the, the people I love. The Bible said, Jesus himself said, the thief cometh not, in John 10, but for to steal, kill, and destroy, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And why do you think it reiterates throughout the New Testament that Jesus is the same? He never changes. He's the same Jesus as it was in the Gospels. And that all good things come from above. Because it makes a clear distinction. There is no gray. There's just black and white. It just appears gray because we see it from a different angle. We see it from a limited understanding. So God isn't putting evil in our path in order to teach us something. But being that evil's already in our path because we're born into this world, evil's already here. It was here before we got here. And the chances are, unless we're, we're the last generation of human beings to exist, it'll be here after our course is finished. And so what I'm saying is, is that we have to accept the fact that things happen because we have an enemy shooting at us. But I believe that we can overcome every evil work. Paul said that God helped him overcome every evil work and he would continue to deliver him right up until the end. And somebody says, well, yes, but the Apostle Paul was um, martyred. That doesn't seem like deliverance to me. Well, you know, I know they call him a martyr. First of all, we don't know. 
It's tradition, it says, and you know what tradition is. We know John wasn't martyred. He died of an old age. The other disciples were martyred, but did you ever think that they laid their lives down willingly? Because Jesus himself said, no one takes my life from me. No one can take his life from him, but he could lay it down literally, willingly for his friends. Do you think that the disciples laid down their lives for their friends, or do you think it was just taken from them? I, I'm not even going to try and answer that for you. That's up to you <clears throat> to answer. But if you believe that God is good, he's no respecter of persons, and every good and every perfect gift comes from him, then you'd have to believe, I would think, just looking at it as the child looks at it, the way the Bible tells us to, that there's no such thing as your father not being there for you when you need him. And so there was a crown for those who had done that, who were willing to love on that level to lay down their lives. I mean, Jesus laid down his lives for an entire race that he created along with the Father and the Holy Ghost in their image. He laid his life down for everybody. Look at the rewards that he, he received <laughs> for that. <clears throat> and so as these situations unfolded, we would have to do a faith reset. In other words, once you leave a courtroom, once you leave a hospital bedside, once you leave a situation, maybe your place of employment for the last time, all of these evil thoughts come like birds. But flying over, making noise, you can't help but see and hear them because they're squawking so loud, interrupting your thoughts. But once you get back to the scriptures and recenter yourself, once you put some good thoughts into your mind and your heart, once you begin to open the communication with God, a living God, not a dead God, not a series of teachings, but literally the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, once you, once you open up that connection, then that healing salve can come on your mind and heart. Then that unbelief can be evaporated from your soul. And as you continue in it, as you allow patience and perseverance, which means you got to walk one day at a time, not try and walk three months at a time, not thinking that the, the, the belief that you have in your heart today is just going to all on its own automatically carry you through the next 90 days. Every day you eat, every day you sleep, every day there's a renewal process that has to take place. <clears throat> so, let me skip back to where I was reading Mark's gospel. The father, talking again, verse 22, And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He didn't even really just say, have compassion on my son. He said, have compassion on us, meaning me and my son. We're in this situation together. Have you ever felt like that? Sometimes you're not even praying for yourself. You're praying for somebody else. and you, Maybe they're not praying or they've given up praying. But listen to what Jesus said. This is his response. Verse number 23. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. He didn't respond, Yes, I have compassion on you. Yes, I can help you. Instead, 
His response to, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us, he turns it right back to the man. So I'm going to read this from other translations. The New International Version says, If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. For one who believes. The New Living Translation says it like this. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The English Standard Translation says, And Jesus said to him, If you can! Exclamation marks. Not if I can, if you can. All things are possible for one who believes. The Berean Study Bible, If you can! Echoed Jesus. All things are possible to him who believes. The Berean Literal Bible says, And Jesus said to him, If you are able! Question mark. Meaning, why are, you, why are you putting this on me? All things are possible to the one believing, meaning back to the Father again. So we can see that this is Jesus in the original language, in the original meaning, the original thoughts was basically turning the situation away from his ability back to the Father believing. So, again, we see two diamet- what seem to be two diametrically opposed truths together. Jesus in the Gospel of John around the 14th chapter says, without me you can do nothing. Actually, let me let me get that verse for you quickly. I'm sorry. That was John the 15th chapter. Verse number 5. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, you bring forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So, we have a part. He that abides in me and I in him. Two things going on. We have our part. He has his part. If we put all the pressure on ourselves just for our part, we focus just on our part, fear comes in because we realize that, well, I don't, have en- I don't appear to have enough strength for this. Or worse, we feel like we have plenty of strength and we credit ourselves for the situation. And then when the next time comes, we duplicate our efforts that we had the first time we don't have the same outcome, and then fear rises up. What have I missed? What am I doing wrong? What am I, 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 I? Everything comes back on you. So the freedom here is that, yes, we stand, but Jesus is our sword. Jesus gives us the strength to wield that sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is our shield. So the Father's response to all of this was to cry out with tears. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And I have to say that's a situation that we oftentimes find ourselves in if a, if a situation continues to uh, present itself, continues to exist in our daily lives. When time goes by, it's easy to say, well, God must just want it this way. God must be called the cause of the delay. Uh, Maybe I'm supposed to learn something. Then it's hard because you can't figure out what it is that you're supposed to learn. And then you get mad. I mean, imagine this. Imagine that you are um, a young person. You're in a classroom, and the, the teacher gives you a test, puts it down. You start reading the questions, and you say, I never studied for this. This wasn't in any book I've ever read. I mean, how would you feel? And then you ask the teacher, why, am I, why are you giving me this test? Because you need to pass this test. If you pass this test, you can leave this place and go on to something better. 
But you say, how can I pass this test? I don't understand. I don't understand the questions. I don't understand what you, what, how can I answer these questions? How can I get the right answer? I don't have it in me. I've tried. And, and then you, you hand the test back, you fail, and you get the test again, and you're in the same grade over and over and over. The Israelites went through that going around the mountain. An entire generation was lost in the wilderness because of their unbelief. It says, the word spoke to them, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. And so the faith that you have in your heart today is the faith that God has given you. The Bible says Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. It's not just a human intellectual understanding like two plus two equals four. Your natural mind can see things in that light, but that's just looking at, at things from a one perspective, it's not the complete picture. It's just a one-dimensional snapshot of the truth. In real life, these are real situations. It's a real spirit that we're fighting against. It's a real spirit that's supporting us. This is how things play out in the real world. It's not usually nice and clean and nice and tidy. It's often dirty. There's a lot of speed bumps. There's a lot of falling down and getting up again. We see it in the lives of the saints of old, and we see it happening today. So never, ever, ever give up. Jesus said that in Luke chapter 18, 1. Even if you don't understand what's happening, even if you feel like God's ignoring you, it's just a feeling. It's not reality. You make it your reality by accepting it as fact. And you need the scripture verses to get your head out of that fear, out of those doubts, out of that unbelief, out of that negativity. And you need to see some light again. And even if you can't open the Bible and digest anything you've seen because you feel so down, at the very least, you can do what this man did. He cried out to Jesus, I believe. You know, where you are today, you, you believe or else you wouldn't be praying. You don't pray to Santa Claus. You don't pray to the tooth fairy because you really don't believe they're there. You believe God's there, but you're questioning why. And that's the wrong question to ask. <clears throat> it's not Why? This man asked the, for help, help my unbelief. He didn't say, help my son. He didn't say, cast out the spirit. He realized when everything turned back to him that it was his own unbelief that was the only thing that was keeping God from performing a miracle, and he asked for help. And how did Jesus respond? He helped. Being that he's no different now than he was then, why can't the same thing happen for you? If you've believed as far as you can believe and you can go no further, if you come to the point where you're just so frustrated with a certain situation that the thought of even dealing with it anymore is, is just borders on overwhelming, then at least be honest with God and tell him how you feel about the situation. Get it off your heart. We have a friend, the Bible says, that sticketh closer than a brother. Get it off your heart and say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe in your ability Help thou my unbelief. Forgive me for putting it all on you or blaming you or questioning you when the Bible says that every good and every perfect gift comes from you. You are the father of lights in whom there is no variance or shadow of turning. There's no shadow of turning. And so help thou my unbelief. I'm willing to be helped by you. That's all you have to do is be willing. Because when all is said and done, it all comes down to choice, doesn't it? We may be able to 
make our choice work, but we can choose. We don't have to make that choice work. All we have to do is make the choice. And with the energy we do have, start moving towards that answer, towards that solution, and ignore or close our eyes to the enemies around us that are telling us that we're going to fail, we're going to be defeated, we're going to be crushed. Okay, that's all I have for you today. I think that's enough. But anyway, thank you for listening. If you want to get an update every time a new podcast is created, please go to the main website at www.faithtestedbyfire.com. Sign up for the update list there, and I will update you every time a new podcast is released. Thank you for listening. God bless you, and I'll talk to you again soon.